You may be seated. Thanks, Ryan. Well, we're going to look today at a story that I'm sure you're all familiar with, but maybe we'll look at it in a slightly new way and, and uh, take a little bit of uh, insight into it that hopefully you haven't really thought of before. Before I start that, though, I want to tell you, I'm a pretty savvy guy when it comes to electronics and tech and, and gizmos and gadgets and things like this. And I really, I don't know about you, but have your parents emailed you things and said, do you think this is real? You know, they'll send you, the forward, it's a forward, 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 and then they say, do you think this is real? And I just, I, I laugh at the gullibility. I don't laugh to them because I really love my parents, so I don't laugh at them. But um, I'm laughing with them about their gullibility of, of, of some of their uh, things that they fall for. And then I get this this morning and I thought, well, I'll, that's interesting. Early this morning, I get this, uh, I get this message. And I clicked on it. I know, my, my reaction exactly. Thank goodness for Robert and for Jody and for the IT team that prevent me from doing dumb things like this. Who would click on this? Look at it. It says luxury jewelry, treat loved ones, all good. All good. That should have been my clee, my, my, my cue, my clee. Yeah, I know. It's, it's all good. So I click on it. Wow. Sometimes we do things that uh, we don't really consider fully before we do them. Sometimes we kind of jump into things at the, at the heat of the moment, as it were, so... We're going to talk about David and Goliath, and I'm going to tell you three things about David and Goliath that I don't think you've maybe considered before. One, I want you to think about youth and inexperience as your strength. Two, ignore the naysayers, and three, trust in God. David and Goliath, you're all familiar with the story. It happens in Samuel 17. You've got control. Um, <laughs> 1 Samuel 17 tells this remarkable story of David and Goliath. First off, how big is Goliath? He's giant. We can agree on that. Now, some of the, some of the uh, texts say that he was four cubits. Some of them say he was six cubits, but he is big. And as, as Bill Cosby always likes to point out, what's a cubit? We just know that he's really tall. He's a very large individual, so large that the entire Israeli army is, is held off at bay. And Malcolm Gladwell has a, uh, has a nice TED talk on this and really, I think, illustrates the, the, the physical situation here. The two armies are actually encamped across a valley. And so for one army to attack the other army, they've got to go down the valley and then up the next hill. Well, that's not a good place to be going uphill towards your opponent. So it, the, the standoff has been there for a while. In fact, it's been there for 40 days and this giant of a man, Goliath, comes out every day for 40 days and taunts Israel. He taunts them and he says, just send one person out. Let's do this mano a mano death match to the rage in the cage. Winner take all. Which also wasn't all that unusual for the, for the cultural and for the time. So Israel knows that he's serious about this. So it's a fight to the death. Their champion versus him. And not a single Israeli soldier is willing to take up that charge. That's how big this guy is. That's how intimidating Goliath is. Enter young David, fresh off the farm. Literally, he's out, he's out doing his, his shepherding, 
And he gets called by his father to go check on the brothers and to deliver some supplies and just to make sure everything's okay. It's been 40 days after all. So he goes in there and as he's coming into the camp, you can almost see the cinematography. As he's walking into the camp, he hears the roar from down below in the valley and he hears Goliath and he's taunting. And David can't believe his ears. He rushes all the way to the front to see the battle that's about to ensue because here's a guy who's obviously going to get it. There is somebody down there taunting Israel, and David says, well, somebody's going to take care of him. And nobody goes forward. And David's just stunned, because he hasn't been brought up to speed. He just comes in right in the middle of the act. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't understand, hey, this guy's big, etc. He's just stunned. He's looking about, and he's saying, what's going on here? He is taunting us. He's taunting God. And nobody's going to do anything about it? Okay, first point to consider, youth and inexperience. You're going to be told a lot that youth and inexperience are, are bad things. Youth and inexperience are, are detriments to you. Don't let anybody tell you that. Don't let people tell you that you're too young to do anything. Don't let people tell you that you can't do something just because you don't have seven years of experience in it. And I'll give you a hint when you're out there in the job trail in the next few years, when that job application says you need three to five years of experience, you don't really have to have it. They're going to hire you because of who you are, not necessarily because of the amount of experience you've got. In fact, sometimes it's easier to hire somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience. They're just the right person for the job because I can, a lot of times I can train somebody if they've got the right attitude. But the right experience, eh, not so much. So don't worry too much about inexperience. I do want you to think, though, about Einstein. Einstein couldn't get a job. He was trying to be a professor. Why? We don't know. He couldn't get a job. He had to write his theory of relativity when he was a patent clerk. He was a patent clerk, and he was, bless you, 26. <laughs> Bill Gates took a challenge and wrote a letter to this guy based on an article he had read in Popular Science. Bill Gates writes this computer guy company and, and says, hey, we're developing some software for your new computer. He wasn't developing. He didn't even have one of those new computers. He started the company later on after he dropped out of Harvard later on that year. He got the job. He started his own software company, and he called it Microsoft. He was 20 and I am not advocating that you drop out of college. But I am telling you, don't worry about youth and inexperience. It's not all that bad. Sometimes it's the strength that allows you to go in and do things because you know what you lose when you, if you forget about the youth and inexperience, you lose the, that's the way we've always done it, bug. Have you been told that? That's the way we do it because that's the way we've always done it. Hey, guess what? Because of youth and inexperience, David doesn't know this. And he's just looking at the guy and he's saying, I can take him. I've taken lions. I've taken bears. So let's go on to the next stage. Ignore the naysayers. There's always going to be somebody who's going to tell you, you can't do it. In this case, it's David's brothers. David's own brothers are the ones that say, man, you can't do this. David's own brothers are telling him, go back. And <laughs> the quote is, who's looking after the sheep? They want him to go home. First off, think about this. You're in the army. I mean, you're feeling pretty good. 
And your little brother, the shepherd, comes up and he's making all this racket about who's going to go out there and fight this guy. It's making me feel cowardice. It's making me feel, at the very least, I'm pretty upset with my little brother. So they're telling little brother to go home. And then Saul eventually hears word of all this rumbling in the camp and says, who is this kid? Get him in here and let's shut him up. And Saul listens to him. And believe it or not, Saul tells him, no, you can't do this. Saul tells him, Saul tells him, he says, basically, it's <laughs> 17, I can't find the verse. Saul tells him, you're too young to do this. You are too young. You can't do this. You can't possibly fight this guy. You don't know what's going on out there. And David tells him, he says, I can because I fought lions. I have fought lions and I fought bears in the defense of my sheep. Well, if David had listened to reason, listened to the right thing to do, we wouldn't be reading about him. Because he would have been back at the camp. He would have been back with the sheep. He would have been back doing what he was supposed to be doing. But he ignored it. He persisted. He moved forward. David believed that God was calling him to do this, and he went forward. So ignore the naysayers. Don't let people tell you that you can't do it. Fred Smith was told that his ideas were impractical. Fred Smith was told, you can't do it that way. It's never been done that way, and it doesn't make sense. Fred Smith was, in fact, given an assignment, and he proposed an idea to his business professor, and his business professor gave him like a C or a D on his paper. So Fred Smith went out and started his own company, and he called it Federal Express. That same idea that received a bad grade in college turned out to be one of the nation's leading and strongest companies. And he was told flat out, you can't do that. You can't replace the post office. And now FedEx is making a profit and the post office is raising rates every year because they can't seem to make a profit. Fred Smith didn't listen to the naysayers. Third point, trust in God. David comes in the name of the Lord. David is, is he's very clear about this. He's not doing this because he can do it. He's doing it for God. He's doing it to defend the name of God, and he's doing it in the name of God. He's not taking the credit. He's not taking the glory. And this is where it gets tricky, because I want you to have that confidence. I want you to have that mm, inside that lets you do it. But it's not you that's really doing it. You have all these gifts that God has given to you. God is the one who's giving you the abilities to do these things. God is the one who needs to get the glory. So I, I want you to think in terms of, of giving God the glory. David comes in and convinces Saul. Saul tries to give him his, his uh, armor. David says, I can't wear that. David goes out and faces against Goliath with nothing but the knowledge that God will protect him. And five rocks. This is where my logic starts to, to get a little fuzzy on this whole good idea, bad idea thing. Because five rocks against Goliath with his armor that weighs hundreds of pounds and his sword and his spear. They said the heft of his, they describe it as a, as a beam. The beam 
is what holds the head of a spear. And the head of a spear weighed something like 100 shekels. I'm not sure what a shekel is. But the point is, is that it was heavy. So this is a monster of a man out here. And David's armed with five rocks and a slingshot and a stick. And he goes out there. And what's, what is Goliath's reaction? He says, oh my goodness, who is this? Verse 42, when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. <laughs> I love that. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Philistine cursed David by his gods. Then Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the fields. And David said to the Philistine, you come to me with the sword and with the spear and with the javelin and da 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 and a tank and an army and missiles. And, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now, I, I, I want to point out this because he's trusting in God. I think, and I mentioned it earlier, Malcolm Gladwell has a wonderful TED speech, and I encourage you to go look at it. It's David Goliath. And in there, he actually looks at the projectiles that he used from the valley, and he looks at the speed of what a sling like that does. And I think we have all underestimated, because we think of a slingshot, and he points out that the velocity that can be achieved when you're slinging this is the equivalent, and the, the actual force is the equivalent of a 45 caliber handgun. Okay, so David knows he's not just dealing with pink, right? He's got something here, but he's not. He's not trusting in himself. He's not arrogant about it. He says, I come armed with a big rock. No, he says, I come in the name of the Lord. He's going to take care of you. And that's exactly what happens. He winds that thing up, lets it go, one shot, dead. Wow. Then you know the rest. Everything else falls apart and the Philistines run and David is the, is the hero, et cetera, et cetera. And he eventually moves in with, with Saul. Saul takes him into his, his castle and, and eventually David becomes king. David is willing to do these things. David is willing to go out and face Goliath. And he does those three things. He ignores the naysayers. He doesn't worry about his youth and inexperience. And he trusts in God. And I don't know about you, but I've got Goliaths in my life. You've got Goliaths in your life. Your Goliaths may be, it may be something as, as insurmountable as you have a hard time reading. And that's pretty big when it comes to college. Your Goliath may be your background. It may be your socioeconomic status. It may be anything. We've all got Goliaths in our life. You're going to have to face them. But don't let anybody tell you you can't. Because David's here to tell you that God's going to take care of your Goliaths. Have a good day.